when you look back at your relationship with with Fergie, and yes. uh, your, as you said again in the book, the, the infamous first interview that you, you had with him, and you literally get straight in and ask him about the potential for him getting the sack. I mean, for you to make a recovery, knowing what we know about Alex Ferguson, for you to make a recovery from that and that not to be festering for years afterwards was a significant achievement. It was actually, it, it taught me a great lesson as well that, you know, if you've got something like that, check. I mean, uh, one of the things that disappoints me, and I, I try not to comment on present people because I'm out of the game now. I mean, you know, I, I there's no point me. Um, newspapers sometimes try and get draw me on on what I think about this and that and it's not really my place so it's just that the only thing I feel about about interviewers now on football is that they will do they're trying to prove to you that they know a lot about the game and that uh, and they say so uh, they talk to a player or a manager and they say so you hit the bar twice in the first half you had two goals ruled offside uh, the referee didn't do you much favours on that penalty decision, um, and then stick the mic under their nose, or or just say, "Do you agree?" Well, I'm not interested in what the interviewer thinks. I'm yeah, interested. Yeah, I get that. The guy. So I went straight in and said, "Well, you, the word is that you're you're facing the sack." Um, boom. And I thought I was talking to a boxer or something. Looking back, and, and I was wrong. I was wrong. I should have warned him. So when I went to Norwich. I didn't do anything about it. I, I, I didn't realise I'd caused a problem, really, because he cut short the interview, but I thought that's because he wanted to get back to the dressing room. So when we did Norwich about three or four weeks later against Manchester United, I went up to him and said, Alec, all right for an interview afterwards? No, why not? You ask crap questions. But where I respected <laughs> him, where I respected him was that he said I could talk to anybody else but not him. Anyway, I used to introduce a programme that half the country took every fortnight on the first day called fight night young boxers professional yeah, boxers, yeah. on their way up so i happened to be staying in manchester at the midland hotel and much to my amazement when i go down for the buffet breakfast as it was in those days sir alex is sitting on his own so i thought hmm. so i went up to him and said can i join you for breakfast and he looked at a bit puzzled and said yes which surprised me. So I went and got my buffet, and I'm thinking, well, I've done the difficult thing. <laughs> what do I do now? So I sat down, looked him straight in the face, and said, can I start again? And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, if I have a curveball question like the one I asked you the other week, I will tell you all about it first. And he said, okay. And that's what happened. And that's, people didn't realize that. And that's what happened for the rest of our time. And, he went the other way. He started seeing us at four o'clock, and the commentator and the producer, and uh, telling us the team and the thoughts and the opposition, knowing we wouldn't use it till we went on on air. We were live with these European matches. He agreed to do a half-time interview with me, and he was just fantastic for the next, I suppose, twenty-two years. I suppose I worked with him, um, and nothing came as a surprise because he wanted. He was a an outstanding manager, probably the best we've ever had at club level. And and he just didn't want his authority challenged. So if a player challenged his authority, not challenged what he said, but challenged his authority, they were moved on. And in the end, although he had a lot of time for Beckham and like Beckham, um, 
Beckham became bigger than the club in his eyes, and that, that was probably the story behind his move.